I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. Uh, I've been I'm teaching on the judgments of God and what all of these viruses are about. It's not just the coronavirus. It's every sickness we've had. I went through a couple of weeks ago the viruses that we had, everything from the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, the 1918 virus in America, a smallpox. There were estimated 25 million to 50 million people died of smallpox in America during that big uh, devastation. Then there were, this is how they couldn't keep up with it back during the bubonic plague in Europe. They said 75 million to 200 million people died in the bubonic plague or the black plague. So when people say they can't keep up with how many people are dying, they've never been able to keep up with that. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about what what Israel did while they were a nation. They were involved in sun and tree worship, sun and tree worship. All sun and tree worship comes out of Babylon and everything that's associated with it. When you've got Revelation 17 and 5, and I use this all the time because all idolatry, Babylon was the mother. She was the mother. What does a mother do? They give birth to birth to they nurture they they give the quality and the character to a system and they raise it with certain doctrines or instructions well Babylon's instruction Babylon started this is where sun and tree worship started. Revelation, not Revelation, Genesis 11 and 4. This was what they built Babylon on. Genesis 11 and 4, when they found a plain in the land of Shinar, they said, let us build us a city. Cities were not built to serve God. When you have metropolitan area, Metropolitan comes from metro. Polis. Metro is the Greek word mater, and that's the word mother. Mother of the polis people. We get the word politic from that. Mother of the people. And they worshiped the mothers above everything else in the world. And they said, here's our doctrine. Let us build us a city, a mother. There's two mothers in the Bible. There is Babylon, the mother of the world, and all of her doctrines and what she was founded on. And there is 
Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. Jerusalem. And that's in Galatians, the fourth chapter. There's a war between the mother of the church and the mother of the world. And she was the mother of I, she was the mother of harlotry. It's not the word harlot. It looks like it when you look at the Greek word porne, P-O-R-N-E. We got our word pornography from that, but it means idolatry. And idolatry, all idolatry is founded on Babylon's, Babylon's doctrine or instruction. Idolatry is ido low la tree i put that on the board a thousand times in the last year it's one of the most important words in the bible so you can know if you're an idol worshiper or not the bible says covetousness is idolatry this is our idol right there covetousness is the word pleonectes And it means to want more any devious or underhanded way you can get it. That is idolatry. Idolatry is a construction of ito and latruo. And ito means to see or perceive. Latruo means to serve. So it means whatever you put in your eyes and ears... That's what you want to serve. And you're just as much of an idolater as if you built yourself a golden calf in your den and bowed down to it every day. And this is what Babylon was founded on. They said, let us build a city and a tower. Tower is the word migdal. And it means a pulpit or a rostrum. A rostrum is is a place to preach from like this lectern right here. It's called a lectern. It's a place to preach from. And here's our message. They said, let us build us a pulpit and let us make us a name it doesn't just mean I'll have a big name in this town that word name is the word Shem let us make up our own Shem Shem means authority and the second born of Noah is the one who is the authority in the world that's the one that God blessed bless me the Lord God of Shem they said we don't like Shem telling us what to do we'll make up our own authority our own Shem and they started firing tree worship and that's what Israel got involved in for 500 years they got involved in the fire God which was Baal and everything they brought into Israel, all the gods of Egypt, they brought them into Israel. And you can find that in Ezra. Ezra, 
the ninth chapter, the first few verses, start in verse 1 and read through verse 6 or 7, and you'll find Israel had gone after all the gods of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, all of these ites were their gods, and all the time they were a nation, they went after Baal, the sun god, and the grove was the tree goddess, and she was always... The tree goddess was the same whether it was Venus or Aphrodite or Ceres or Sybil. All the female deities were tree goddesses. And you can look up in McClinic and Strong and it will tell you that they were always worshipped in the form of a cone, like a triangle. And Mr. Layard in Layard's Nineveh said, since all of these Venus and Aphrodite and, and the Ceres and Sibyl and all these were worshiping the stars, they put a star on top, and the Bible says they put it on a platform, and they decked it with silver and gold, and that's Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. 10. That's what the Christmas tree is. Now, Christmas is paganism. I wrote something on the board and this can be my title to this message. I wrote, what is the mass? Well, it's not. The true partaking of the body of Christ. What does it mean? It's not the Roman Catholic, in quotations, it's not the Roman Catholic mass, and that's what the world has embraced. The Mass is the same thing. If Babylon mothered all idolatry, then everywhere you can find idolatry in the world started at Babylon. And it doesn't matter where you go in the world. If you go to... Everything comes out of Babylon. All idolatry comes out of Babylon. The Bible says so in Revelation 17 and 5. If you go to India, where they worship Vishnu... That's a sun god, Vishnu, and Shiva, and Shiva, and they've got thousands of gods. There's no way I could write them all down. I don't have them all in my head. They worship Brahma, Brahma, and they always identified that was a bull, and you could identify that with the sun worship of the Saturnalia in Rome because that has to do with the beginning of the Babylonian Empire was with Shem was supposed to be going out and conquering the great bull and they he cut the tail off of the bull and tied it around his weight, tied the hooves around his feet and put the horns on his head and everywhere you find the horns whether it's on the Vikings are on the American Indian wearing the horns of the bull. That's where the picture of Satan comes from. So Satan is a picture of pride. And it doesn't matter if you go to a volcano. God in the South Pacific. South Pacific. And they're casting a young virgin into a volcano. The word volcano comes from Baal Kahan. Kahan. And we get the word Vulcan from that. Vulcan was a god, was a fire god that devoured his children before he was born. As they were being born, Vulcan was a fire god that devoured, or he was a cannibal. 
and the word kahan baal, kahan, k-a-h-a-n, is the word priest in the Hebrew, priest, and they were kahan baals, and the priest of Baal ate human flesh from their altar, and you get that in among the Druids. I'm just going from one thing to the other. The Druids had their people pass through the fire, to had their children pass through the fire to their fire gods. And then you got the same thing when you look at Second Kings, the 21st chapter, and you got one of the most wicked kings, Manasseh, that ever lived in Israel, and he had called his son to pass through the fire. Notice all of these have kinship to one another. You can go from one to the other and you got fire gods in all of the world. And they the reason they would throw that girl into the volcano, they were trying to pacify the fire god so that they could have crops in the spring. Same thing as the swastika or the Big Dipper. So they could have fruit. And these things crisscross all through the world. All paganism come out of Babylon. You can see that simply by understanding that they all had basically the same concepts in every pagan God worship and revelation. 17.5 says Babylon mothered it all. So it don't matter where you go. The American Indian. They had a totem pole. Totem pole. Totem means kinfolk. And the Jews said that demons were their ancestors. They deified them as gods. Demon is the daemonion. And that's the same thing that that the Muslim people called genies Genie comes from the word gene, and your genes is your makeup or your ancestry. That's your genes. And you get three... I could just go all kinds of directions with this. I I don't even slow down. You get three wishes from a genie. Three wishes. And demon means to distribute fortunes and the Jews said that the demons were their guardian angels and went around and told them which jobs to take and where to get the best money and to distribute fortunes to them. So genies and demons are the same thing. And if you get among the Celts, that's the fairies. Fairies, they had good and bad fairies. And they had good and bad demons and good and bad genies. You can see a movie. It may have an evil genie. It may have a good genie. And you can look at a cartoon. They'll, and they'll have a cartoon with a demon on one shoulder with his little horns and have a little angel on the other shoulder with his little halo. But the halo is the sun god. No matter where you find it, same thing as uh, the sun god behind the heads of the saints. This thing mishmashes everywhere. And and the American Indian has the totem pole, and and the totems, they have a totem pole, and they've got animals, 
Animals has everything to do with it. Gosh, and that would take you to the Arthurian religion, King Arthur. Those were demons. Those were gods in the ancient world. And Merlin was the evil god. And Merlin could transform himself by shape-shifting, shape-shifting into a wolf. Wait a minute. That is, that is lycanthropy, L-Y-canthropy, canthropy, or that is a werewolf. And where did that start? In the garden where Satan conformed, he transformed himself into a serpent. That's where shape-shifting. And in all of these paganism, it's all, they're kin to one another. And a vampire was a, was a blood drinker, wasn't it? Well, that's what the Mass is. You eat flesh and drink blood. And it was against God's law to drink blood. This stuff goes through my head as fast as I can talk. If I go to one thing, it takes me to another immediately. And did Eve distribute fortunes? Did Was she the genie in the garden? Did she have a demon? Was she the fairy? Distribute, what do fairies give you? They give you gifts. Where do fairies live? In the dark. Where do vampires live? In darkness. They're looking for blood to drink. It's all a convolution of the truth. <laughs> and by, vampires drink blood. And when you go into Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion, you look at the B volume, vampires have been around thousands of years. So have werewolves. But if you're looking up werewolves, you don't look up werewolf. You look up lycanthropy. I wrote it up here somewhere. Huh? Lycanthropy. You look up lycanthropy to look up werewolves. In, gosh, sometimes I get going on this, I can't stop. In the Hastings Encyclopedia Risen, that was printed about 1904. You look up vampire, they'll tell you the way you catch a vampire, you drive it into a bottle. It's just amazing. What is? Where does a genie live? In a bottle. And the word familiar spirit in the Old Testament is O-W-B. That's the word familiar spirit. It doesn't mean a spirit. It is the word bottle. And a bottle don't mean something like this thing here with the Pepto-Bismol, that don't mean a bottle. A bottle was a goat's stomach. A goat's stomach. They would cut the stomach out of a goat, lay it out to dry in the sun, then they would sew it up. They would sew it up 
and put a strap on it so they could carry it around their back, and they would sew up the goat's stomach. This was, a, this was called a bottle, and that's how they carried their juices or whatever they wanted to carry with them as they went out to work in the field. Well, they mastered ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. I guess that's the way you spell it. They they mastered that, and you and they would say that they peeped and muttered, and you can find that over in the tenth chapter of Isaiah where where the king of Assyria came in and attacked northern Israel so fast the Bible says they did not have time to peep or mutter or consult a wizard or someone who talked in a bottle and and talked to their ancestors they said they were talking to their ancestors and they were conning people out of money they were doing the same thing Kenneth Copeland does it was a con. They were doing the same thing. You can go down here on Gallatin Road in Madison, and there's a picture of a little room out down there, and they got a, sign, a hand on the sign that says, Palms Red. You go in there and they dip a paintbrush in red paint and paint your palm. No, that ain't what they do. They con you out of money just like these people. That's why it was a death sentence to talk to the dead. They weren't talking to the dead. They were pretending to talk to the dead. So Israel didn't have a time to consult a familiar spirit, someone who conned them by talking into a bottle. And when they translated bottle into the Septuagint, LXX, anytime you see that, that's 70 in the he in the Roman Roman numerals, and they took seventy experts, experts in Hebrew and Greek, to translate the Old Testament into Greek, and they call that Septuagint. And any time you see LXX, that's seventy, and they had seventy translators. Well. They translated the word bottle. Here's the word they translated into. Out of my Hebrew, I've got a set of Hebrew uh, books, about 10 or 12 of them, and they print them up every couple of years. I need to go and see if they printed some more. But I got this out of the Hebrew translation. And they translated the word bottle, E-N, G-A-S-T-R-O-M-U-T-H-O-S in gastromuthos. That's how they translated the word bottle into the Greek. In gastromuthos. It comes from in gastro and muthos. It actually means a myth Muthos within the gastro. If you have gastro problems, you drink some Pepto-Bismol and that'll give you... That's the word stomach. It means a myth in the stomach. That's how these experts translated bottle. 
They were, and most every scholar will tell you that the translation of the Hebrew into the Greek Septuagint was one of the best translations ever. That these guys were brilliant in Hebrew and Greek. Anyway, so it's all a con. It's what it is. And it doesn't matter where you go in the world. I started to say, did Eve have a demon? Did she have a genie? Did she get her wishes? How many wishes do you get from a genie? Three. Did she have three wishes? Exactly. That's exactly what she had. Three wishes. The Bible says in 1 John, this shows you how the Bible ties with, in 1 John two sixteen. all that is in the world here's everything in the world that you can distribute as far as the fortunes of the world are concerned John said all that's in the world here's everything that's not of God it's of the world all in the world in world here's everything this has to do with genies getting three wishes of the genie getting distributing fortunes of the demons which are the same thing as genies when you crossed the border from Israel into the Arab countries what was demons they called genies if you went on up went out across what we call the European continent and went over into England where the druids were the soothsayers they called these same things fairies if you went to Greece, they called them guardian angels. If you went to Rome, they called them genius. Somebody that was gifted. A genius and a genie. And genius comes from gene. So Eve saw, this is what Eve saw. John said, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's what Eve saw in the tree. Lust of the flesh. Lust is the word epithumia, E-P-I-T-H-U-M-I-A. Epithumia means to cover yourself. Epi means to superimpose or put on top of your life. Thumos. Breathing hard after. I want that car. I want that woman. I want that man. I want that diamond ring. I want. And it means to seek. Remember, that's the same thing as covetous. Pleonic takes wanting more. means to breathe hard. I got to have it. If I work three jobs, it'll kill me, but I'll do it. She saw the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. Remember the word idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T, means to serve what you see. So she saw a tree that was good for food, the lust of the eye, same word, epithumia, wanted to breathe hard after what her eye saw. That's the same thing as idolatry. And then the pride of life. John said, this is not of the Father. Pride is the word A-L-A-Z-O-N-I-A. Alexandria means self-esteem. Well, did she, did she, was she a demon in that sense? Was she a genie in that sense? She saw a tree that was good for food. 
It was pleasant to the eye, and it would make her wise, and she could have self-esteem and be proud of herself. So all of this comes out of the same system. You can name everything that's anything that goes against God's word is a lie, and not only that, it's antichrist. He that denieth Christ, First John two and twenty two, denieth Christ is antichrist. Is Antichrist. Deny A R N E O M A I. Contradict. If you contradict Christ, whenever you do the Mass, you're saying that you have to eat the literal body of Christ to do to fulfill Jesus' words in John the sixth chapter. John six. That's not what Jesus was saying. He that denieth Christ is anti. You're not the Antichrist or the man of sin. You're just Antichrist. We've all been that way. If you say, I don't believe in predestination, I don't think Christmas is Christ's match. You're ignorant. Dumb as the day is long. It is Christ's mass. The mass is eating human flesh. It's just, it's crazy. I got a, a Christmas book up here. And it's about, this is a Christmas book. It's called Inside Catholicism. We're headed towards Christmas, and I wanted to start this early. It's everything that Israel's involved in, and the reason for the four judgments of God, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast carrying Israel is away because they were involved in fire worship, and that's the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and called the Christ Mass. In 325 A.D. at the Nicene Council. But the shocking thing about it all is that is that Constantine became emperor of the Eastern Western Empire. And as he was capturing the Western Empire and casting Maxentius off the throne in Rome, he was over here in Constantinople. And he went over here to Rome, threw Constantine off, threw Maxentius off the throne, and he installed what we call Christmas. He simply turned the feast of Saturn, who was the father of the sun god. The sun god at Rome was Mithra. And Mithra's birthday was December the 25th. And I've given you that to you. That's because the winter solstice came at December the 21st, the longest nights of the year. And the pagans thought, they thought, the sun is burning out. That's what you find over here. The reason, here's the reason for Christmas right here. I can't say all this at once. Right there is a reason for Christmas. Shows the sun at the summer solstice over here, June the 21st, the sun is going around its, uh, the earth is going in its ecliptic orbit around the sun. I can't put uh, the names of all these people, all these worshipers, it doesn't matter if it's the Aztecs down in South America or if it's the American Indian or what it is, it all comes out of Babylon and it's fire and tree worship is what it is.
and the Christmas tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they said the tree gave was the giver of all divine gifts to men among the pagans what are the gifts of the tree the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that's it this is where they raise the Eucharist up and they utter those words hoc es corpus fili they get the word hocus pocus from that where'd you get that out of a word history book I was looking up hocus pocus and I got to it and it said hocus corpus fili this was the so-called magic words of the Roman Catholic Church that turned the Eucharist in the blood and body of Christ and they raise it up I was told that the reason they raise it up in the air that's a picture of the sun rising maybe they raise it up in the air and they say those words and they say it turns into the literal body and blood of Christ that's not what Jesus was talking about let me I was going to say something I forgot there's a million things to say about this I've really got an axe to grind with preachers who call themselves believers people like John MacArthur John MacArthur knows all about Christmas he knows all of the culture the customs he knows about the feast of Saturn and he knows that it is he knows the Saturnalia I've got a paper on him right here and in this paper he says I'm going to read the first part of it again and go all the way through it this is a message to John MacArthur John I believe you're a brother but you got some error in your teaching where would that put John first of all he doesn't know anything about last Trump if he does he applies it wrong just like he applies Christmas wrong he believes in a pre-trib rapture that we're going to be taken out here secretly I heard him say on the radio he said we're going to be taken out at a pre-trib rapture he said this the other day and he says that's what the fourth chapter for Thessalonians says no it doesn't John doesn't talk about a secret coming it says we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those that are asleep prevent means to go before those that are in the grave that are believers it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout this can't be a pre-trib rapture a secret coming some night shout For the Lord, for we which are alive and remain, remain. These are two Greek words. Remain. Shout is the word kaluo, K-E-L-E-U-O. Remain is the word perilipa, P-E-R-I-L-E-I-P-O. That word shout, kaluo, means a war cry. Now what in the world is Jesus doing having a war cry say okay man attack and it's a secret coming at the beginning of a tribulation it can't be we're going to be changed at the last trump there's seven trumpets sound in revelation 8 9 and 10 
And when the seventh one sounds, that's the last in the series after which no other trumpet will sound. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one fifteen fifty one says Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We won't all be in the grave. That's a term for dead believers. We shall not all sleep. We'll all be changed. Alasso. We will be changed into something different in a moment. Moment is the word atomos, A-T-O-M-O-S. We get our word atom from that. We used to think that an atom was the smallest particle of matter until we found out there were quarks. We don't even know how to split the quarks because the more we try to split them, the more they bond together. In a moment, an atomos, in the twinkling of an eye, I looked up twinkling on the internet and it says somewhere about one billionth of a second you're not going to have time to look up and say there's Jesus one billionth of a second of a second twinkling at the last trump there's got to be a last trump and there must be a first trump well, we find in Revelation 10. Now, I'm just addressing John's era. I believe John is a believer. Preaches some real good messages on predestination. But I heard him say one time, how can predestination and free will walk hand in hand? They can't. He said, I don't know what they do. No, they don't. There's no free will. Ever. In anything. If you do something, God's orchestrated your mind to do that. Because he's declared the end from the beginning of ancient times, everything that's not yet done, saying, my counsels will stand, I'll do everything I'm pleased to do. Nobody can get in my way. None can stop the hand of God or say to him, what doest thou? None can stay his hand. Mecca means to arrest his hand. There in Daniel 4.35. Nobody can arrest the hand of God to stop from doing what he wants to do. If he wanted to save everybody, he would. He doesn't want everybody. He's got vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. So we're going to be changed at the last trump. There's seven trumpets sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the last one or the seventh one sounds, the mystery of God, which is the church, is finished. It is teleos, 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 T-E-L-E-I-O-S, complete. That's what happens. He's got one foot on the land, says others on the sea, and time is no more. What's funny is when the church is complete, there's no more time. There's no more seven years. There's no more millennium. We don't believe in that here. I don't have time to go into that. Remain. Perlipa means to survive. I'm going to cover that. There's going to be a great attack on the church according to Daniel 7. The beast world system will wear out the saints. Wear out. And in Revelation, the 13th chapter, the beast is going to attack the temple of or the tabernacle of God. Tabernacle skews, S-K-E-U-S, comes from the word skine 
and it means a wife that's useful to the husband. Yes, we will be here through this tribulation, and there'll be a trumpet sound at the end, and it looks like the great persecution is coming on the world. We're going to suffer tribulation in the world. You shall have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Now, John says he believes in Christmas. He says, I don't usually approach a believer. Let me tell you who I believe believe John MacArthur is. Over here in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. I'm not getting mad at John. I hope John can hear this and see this. In verse... uh, Let's read verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation... And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. The word foundation is the word thelemos, T-H-E-L-E-M-O-S. It comes from the word tithemai, T-I-T-H-E-M-I. Tithemai means to lay to lay out so other foundation can no man lay but Jesus Christ now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones wood, hair, stubble every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire the fire will burn up what is not spiritual and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon he shall receive a reward if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire I don't believe everything that John does will be burnt, but I believe his Christ's mass system, his pre-trib rapture, his millennium teaching, I just don't believe in any of that. The majority believes in that. It's hard to teach a world something that's true when the world believes it. Now, let me read to you what John is saying about Christmas. I'm going to read the first part that I read last week. He says, you ask about Christmas, I'll tell you about Christmas. He has all the facts, but he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. In the early Greek periods, December was the month of orgies. That's right. Christmas, December the 14th, uh, 17th through the 24th was an orgy. That was the Feast of Saturn. Was the month of orgies and feasts and festivals to gods. It was the time of the feast of Saturnalia. He knows all about that. That was the father of the gods. The winter was coming, and they wanted to appease the gods. That's right, John. 
This is what brought him to church and renamed the Christ Mass. That's the same thing that Israel went after and called Baal in the Grove because everything comes out of Babylon. So these tremendous pagan festivals to Saturnalia and to many other deities were held in December. Thank you, John. Right. Now, the Constantine Roman Empire was come about in about 300, not 300, approximately 312 A.D. And so after that, they wanted to sort, sort of Christianize everything. You're right. That's what they wanted to do. What does Job, the 14th chapter, the first couple of verses say? Who can bring a clean thing out of unclean? Not one. You cannot clean up a pig and call it a sheep. You can take a pig in and wash it and bathe it and put a ribbon around its neck and and put perfume on it and let it out the door and it'll go to the first mud hole it can find. You can't clean him up. You can't make him a lamb just because you want a lamb instead of a pig. Everything, and so in approximately 450 A.D., the bishop of Rome decided that it would really be good if they Christianized the festivals of December. You're right, John. So he determined in some kind of conjunction with the Bishop of Jerusalem that they would spot December the 25th as the birth of Christ because it was the birthday of Mithra. And if they could pick December the 25th as the birth of Christ, that might sanctify all of this, and it doesn't. Even though it's highly unlikely he was born then, we know that, that's right. They were really trying to overpower paganism. But instead they got mishmash. That's right, John. Mistletoe. That's from paganism. I've got the story on that. They said that was the connection between heaven and earth. And it would bonded the earth to the heavens. Christmas trees. Paganism. Holly. Basically is a rather pagan thing. It's not rather a pagan thing. It's completely pagan. They... In the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, up in that cold area above Europe, they thought the the fir trees were magical because they could live through sub-zero weather. So they had they took the holly and the and the greenery from the woods and hung it around their pagan temples. They had a what they called a wassailing bowl song. They had several songs. They sung around this drunken bowl they put on a table. that all drink from it, get drunk, and they would sing the wassailing bowl song. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. It got nothing to do with Jesus. Christmas cards, eighteen sixty-four. They were first invented by businessman who thought of a way to make money. That's right. Thank you. They had drinking scenes on them, so you can go right down the line. St. Nicholas from Scandinavia was a saint. He was actually a Roman Catholic bishop from Myra in southern Turkey. 
who was supposed to leave things stuffed in little wooden shoes of kids who were good. This is not uncommon in Christianity. It has nothing to do with Christianity, John. Other illustrations. Just before Easter, traditionally, the Christian church celebrates what season? Lent. Lent was a 40-day festival for Tammuz, and you find the women weeping for Tammuz in the in the eighth chapter of Ezekiel. Lent, you know where Lent came from. There's no Lent in the Bible. Yeah, there is in Ezekiel, where they're weeping for Tammuz. It never appears in the Bible. It has nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ. Well, you were right, but God condemns it in the Bible. But in ancient paganism, in the instructions of Baal and Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth was a title for all the female deities, the grove. And it all comes out of Babylon. Many names, but that Tammuz and Baal was killed by a wild boar. I said that earlier. When he was killed by a wild boar, his mother, Semiramis, this is all John MacArthur's teaching. Semiramis, I've taught on that a hundred times. The high priestess of the Babylonian paganism mourned for him and cried for him 40 days. I've gone through all of this. And at the end of those 40 days, he was risen from the dead. So the whole concept, when he was rose from the dead, Ishtar, or Easter, a spring goddess, resurrected her son, husband, from the dead. Sometimes it was her son, sometimes it was her husband. Concept of mourning and going without fasting has absolutely nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ. You're right. But that's what Israel was going after in the Old Testament. It was brought in the church and called Christ's Mass in 325 A.D. The mother-child perspective where you see in Roman churches, you know the virgin, or you see the pita, that's the carving of the whole mother-child thing, does come basically from Christianity. No, it doesn't. They had the mother-child in the ancient world in China. She was called Madonna. That was the baby in her arms. He was called the eternal boy at Rome. You had that in many, many cultures. There's no sentimentalization of that in the Bible. But it comes again from paganism, Semiramis. It was by the pagans conceived her son Tammuz because she was implanted by a sunbeam. You've heard me say that Buddha was supposed to be implanted into the left armpit of his mother and that's how he was born that would falsely that would falsely what? the virgin birth and after that John is very shallow in his explanation notice I'll go through weeks and weeks and months teaching on this and Israel was involved in it and it was brought into the church and renamed Christmas the reason it was brought into the church is because you had all of these pagan barbarians rampaging across what we call the European continent, and they weren't ruled by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire ruled only around the Mediterranean Sea. That's why the beast comes up out of the sea. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome was up on the Mediterranean. That's where they ruled. But the Huns, the Vandals, the Goths, the Visigoths, 
the, all of these barbarians, they didn't weren't ruled in all of the Caesars were afraid they were going to take over the empire for 200 years prior to Constantine. So Constantine, the way we will shut them down, will bring all of them and their gods into the church. So he renamed the Feast of Saturn Christ's Mass. I can't explain all this. I'd be talking all night long. I spent a lot more time studying this than John has. Me and John are the same age. I'm a month older than him. He's born in June of 1939. I was born in May of 1939. It's not because he's older, because he's not, that I'm supposed to believe him. After that, she gave birth to her son without human father, so that the mother-child cult really came through mystery religions of Babylon. That's right. And the pagan origin was superimposed on Christianity, and ultimately she... The confusion came out in Roman Catholic system where you have Lent, which has no biblical basis. It doesn't have biblical basis, but you find it in the Bible where it's condemned. And ultimately, the confusion came out in the Roman Catholic system where you have Lent, which has no biblical basis. In fact, that's only one part of it. And you know the term Queen of Heaven? Oh, yes. Israel was condemned for worshiping the Queen of Heaven in Jeremiah the 7th chapter and Jeremiah the 44th chapter. And he says, I was reading a Catholic book the other day, Queen of Heaven. Queen of Heaven. Queen of Heaven was the moon. And that was the moon god that they worshipped in all these, all these Arabian world. They've got the crescent moon on all their flags wherever you find it the star in front of it that's Venus and that's what and Venus was always worshipped in the form of a cone with a star on top you find that in Layard's Nineveh and then he says and the first queen of heaven was Semiramis the high priestess of Babylonian cults the Queen of Heaven was said to turn the swastika or the Big Dipper. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about this here. It's about the Earth, the Earth going in its ecliptic orbit around the sun. And when the Earth is over here, it's winter, and the northern hemisphere is leaning away 23 and a half degrees away from the sun, and we're in winter in the northern hemisphere. When it's over here, it's leaning toward the sun, toward the sun, and that's summer, and that's the summer solstice, 21st, longest days of the year. When you got to the winter solstice, they, the pagans, thought the sun's burning out. So they said, we got to have a, we got to have a birthday for our sun, God. So December the 21st, longest, it looked like the sun was dimming. It wasn't, it was us on our axis going around the sun. It's funny what history and astronomical things that people don't know or not familiar with. So they said we got to have a birthday for the sun. And when they got over December the 21st, the longest nights of the year, three days later, it's kind of funny. It's three days is very 
very important in the Bible. Jesus rose the third day. Three days later, December the 25th, they gave the birthday of the Son. December the 25th gave that the birthday of Mithra, the Son God of Babylon. And so the Roman Catholics said, we'll give that to Jesus. And Pope Judas I, Pope Judas I gave Christ Mass its pagan name. Everything about Christmas is paganism. Everything. I don't believe in any part of Christmas. Not the date. You're not supposed to celebrate birthdays. The early church did not. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 1, the Bible says that what is to be celebrated is the death of our loved ones, not the birth. The early church did not celebrate birthdays. Two birthdays in the Bible, Pharaoh's and Herod's. They hung Pharaoh's baker at his birthday. And they cut off John the Baptist's head at Herod's birthday. Now whose head are you going to cut off come your birthday? Or who are you going to hang? That's the only two birthdays in the Bible. Now, I may have to get to the rest of this part two next week. When As soon as I get close to Christmas, I get kind of bored with a message in... May, June, July. And as soon as the season starts changing and starts getting dark, this time of the year, I start getting wound up towards Christmas again. I don't get bored with it because it is the story of the fourth judgment of God, Israel being scattered and carried away into captivity. I've put more studying on Christmas than most preachers have. I haven't just studied... I haven't just studied... The McClinic and Strong. I've got a McClinic and Strong here that I have wore flat out. I've, I've got one up here, and I don't know where it is. I, oh, here it is. I've wore this, just wore it out. i got it all marked up all inside. You can see here. This is two Babylons. What I call it? A McClinic and Strong? No, two Babylons. This is the two Babylons. And I got a paper on uh, on Alexander Hislop who wrote this. He was a member of the Free Church of Scotland. It's talking about free grace, not free will. Because he was a he was a Puritan, in a sense, he was a reformer. He believed in predestination, the sovereignty of God. And I did a study on him. He's a man that I would love with all my heart if he was here. I'd like to meet him one day when I get to heaven. Let me read the rest of John's. How much time do I have, Mike? Let me just read the rest. I may skip some of John's. He, all he does is give him information. And then he says, Now this is not to say that we abandon all meaningful things. It's not a meaningful thing if it's paganism in origin. 
I mean, just because the world wants to mess up and confuse the issue doesn't mean I have to be confused about it. You are confused, John. I can celebrate Christmas today. How would you celebrate Christmas? It's eating human flesh, John. I can celebrate. He's just using the word Christmas as though it's innocent. The very name is evil. Christ is not evil, but the Christ mass is. I can't believe this statement. It just, I could celebrate Christmas today if I wanted to. If you wanted to, that will be evil. And I could celebrate it any day I want. Well, you can't celebrate Christmas. You can celebrate the birth of Christ. I've had people ask me, don't you want to celebrate the birth of Christ? I say, look. I celebrate Jesus every day. I talk about him everywhere I go. Do you? I don't mean that to boast. I'm liable to say anything to a doctor. Hey, do you know that Christmas is pagan? It was against the law to celebrate it 300 years ago in America. You think it's innocent when some say 50, 60 million Families were killed in Europe because they would not partake of mass. Read, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Most people say they can't read it. It's so hard. They've got some of the most descriptive things in there that you would not believe how they tortured people. And I can be grateful the Lord was born. And nobody's saying don't be grateful the Lord was born, but don't use paganism. Or the Lord was risen from the dead or whatever. He's just got whatever stuff in here. That's my prerogative. As long as I understand the distinction. You can't... Distinction means to... To discriminate. You can't discriminate between what's okay that's pagan and what's not. The part that I don't think is necessary is for us to sort of just say, sort of just say, what words, John? Well, we will do all of that. I think you are, I think you missed something there. I think if you want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, that's great. Don't do it with paganism. And if you are really good about it, you will capitalize. (laughs) Capitalism has the same meaning as demon. Distribute fortunes. You'll capitalize on people's sensitivity toward Christ at that season. I have never heard anybody open a gift and say, this is a shotgun my wife gave to me. I need to go find some poor people out in the country that don't have any money so we can give this to them so they can go shoot and kill some food for their family. Never heard that. Never heard anybody open up a gift and say, this is a beautiful sweater that my husband gave to me. I want to go find some poor woman and give it to her. Have you? I never heard anybody talk about Jesus opening presents. I know that every Christmas season, I gear up to preach an evangelistic message. Evangelism, euangelizo, is the word preach the gospel. The gospel is prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The way is narrow, it's full of tribulation. It's a blood baptism. 
plus psychologists tell us well that's what we need to get is psychologists psychologists tell us that the most depressing time of the year is the Christmas time that's right they sell more booze more liquor is sold that time of the year more suicides at that time of the year and the last eight weeks of the year is the majority of the business that the businesses have all year long they spill they spend America spends over a trillion dollars on Christmas every year. That's when people are most depressed because they're supposed to be happy and they're not. It's because it's a pagan season. They look forward to all the family getting together. I think of our family getting together and the sister-in-law cusses and the brother-in-law tells dirty jokes or vice versa. I don't want that. And the family gets together, nobody likes each other. That's right. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather rebuke them. I don't heard anybody rebuking anybody at a Christmas gathering. So there are some problems there. Oh, some. It's all about paganism. But yes, there's no question about the fact that the systems of Babylon have been superimposed upon Christianity. That's right. There's no question about that. So insofar as he brings that issue, there's another book that's very helpful called The Two Babylons by Islam. John MacArthur is very familiar with Islam. Also, very, very helpful book. And the comment of this man that put this on the Internet said, This man, MacArthur came so close to making Christmas all a blasphemy. It is a blasphemy. But I knew he had hundreds of members in front of him who had not yet given up Christmas. That's right. And he knew some of them might walk out on him if he made Christmas a blasphemy. I've said that. That's why he opened his doors for the for the virus. Love of money. Huh? Love of money. He says, well, I don't even blame him for that because John MacArthur has got a tremendous overhead. He's got professors to pay at his at his college. He's got yeah. unbelievable when you got seven thousand on Sunday morning. You think, how many people do you think would quit if you told them Christmas was pagan, Easter's pagan, God doesn't love everybody? So he waffled better than the cooks down at the Waffle House. John is waffling. This is not rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? Answer. When the application of the word is conditioned by accommodation to cultural and mongrel social norms, the word becomes a facilitator of compromise in the minds of the listener. Having said that again, I posted MacArthur's comments on Christmas because of his information is worthy as to the history of things. Do you believe that? I have. John MacArthur has been one of my greatest disappointments in life. Not that I believe he's a sinner. I believe he's building on wood, hay, stubble, gold, and silver. Let me just say some things to John.
I'm going to read a verse I did last week. Leviticus 18. And I'm going to, I want you to notice, God is saying in these verses, He's not saying don't worship their gods. He tells them that, but He says in these verses, don't keep their customs. I have such a conviction about Christmas. I've been wrestling that since I was 12 years old and since John was 12 years old in 1951 I first saw the midnight mass and I said that looks like Christ's mass and here it is Christmas Eve and St. Nicholas was a Catholic priest or something I found out later he was a Roman Catholic bishop he took gifts to children and some historians say they believe he was a pedophile Leviticus 18, verse 30. Therefore shall you keep mine ordinance. Kukwa. C-H-U-Q-Q-A-H. C-H-U-Q-Q-A-H. My rituals. My statutes. The same word he uses for statutes. Same word. In Deuteronomy 28 and 1 and 2 where he says, if you keep my statutes and my judgments, all these blessings will come upon you. And then he says, that you commit not any one of these abominable kokwa. Don't keep the stinking statutes. Keep my statutes. He's saying, John, don't keep the customs of the heathen getting together at Christmas time having a party it's it's like I've said this before and I'm going to say it again it's like there's a band playing down here at uh, at the uh, Wild Horse Inn or whatever the name, the name of that is down there Saloon, uh, Saloon. 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 <laughs> At the Wild Horse Saloon. And a big name band is playing there. And you say to me, we're going down there to just watch the band and drink Cokes. You're sitting right in the middle of a bunch of heathens. And let's say they're having a hookers convention down there. And the hookers are going up in the nearest motel to have an affair with their Johns. And then you're coming up and saying... But we're not going to have affairs with hookers, but you got them all around you. You think that's okay? You could just rename something and call it good? You can. When you get to really being strict about the Bible, your friends leave. You get to a place where you don't have many friends. You don't commit any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you and that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. Don't keep the rituals of the pagans. Now, I want us to go over here to Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. These are some of my favorite verses on why you shouldn't be doing any rituals concerning Christmas. Verse 1. 
chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. The statutes is the word kukwa, same word as the ones you're not supposed to keep of the heathen. For to do them, don't do these customs of the heathen that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. You shall not add Yasaf. The word means to augment. Augment means to add something to something. Don't add to the Word of God. Is Christmas adding to the Word? Yes. You shall not add to the Word which I command you, neither shall you diminish Garah. Shave off any part of the Word of God. When God says, don't keep these customs, can you shave that off and say, well, he doesn't mean use it for the glory. We can use it for the glory of God. That seven-day festival was an orgy. They did everything in the world in the streets. Men with men, women with women, men with animals, women with animals. You think Jesus wants his name on that? No. Neither diminish aught from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. He's saying, don't add anything to your to my customs that don't belong in it. Now look over here in Deuteronomy 12. This is a favorite verse of mine. This is as Israel is about to cross the Jordan River and go in and possess the land. They're going to confront a whole bunch of pagans that are sun and tree worshippers. In verse 29, When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, when you go in and you confront the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the and all these ites, whether thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land, when you go in, the Bible says in Judges, the second chapter, drive them out. Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared, nor cosh, entrapped, N-A-Q-A-S-H. That you'll be snared. Here's what will snare you. It means to trip you up, entrap you, after that they be destroyed from before thee. Watch out. Now here's what will snare you. And that you inquire not. Don't even ask. After their gods saying. And don't ask the question. How did these nations serve their gods? What were the rituals? I don't want you to even know that. Much less do it. And put Jesus name on it. Is that crazy? I can't believe John said the things he said. He's waffling on truth. You know what John's problem is? He doesn't have the experience that I have. I've been in the depths of sin as a singer. 
He was raised in a Christian home. His father sent him off to college. He went on and got his doctor's degree. He didn't know what the depth of sin is that I know. When God pulled me out of it, he pulled me out. That's the difference. When God pulled Paul out, Paul never failed once. Peter was just a fisherman. He was always running around with his foot in his mouth. Paul said, you don't get it right, you don't go with me. Let's read the rest of this. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord their God by finding out how they serve their gods. I don't want you keeping their rituals, which Christmas is. For every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods. Notice, every abomination they've done. He's not talking about particularly serving their gods. Don't find out how they did it and what they're doing. I don't want you to know about Christmas trees and decorations and little baubles hanging around everywhere. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. That's the same thing the Druids did. They would put a they would take a a little hat or something and put all these pieces of oat cake in it and have one of them blackened. Whoever drew out the blackened oat cake, that's where we get the word blackballed. They're the ones that had to jump over the fire, but here they're killing their kids in the fire. To their gods, and what things soever I command you, the things that I'm commanding you to do, the rituals I'm commanding you to do, observe to do it, thou shalt not add. There's that word again, yasaf. Yasaf. You can't add anything, and Christmas is adding to the word of God. So is Easter. So is Valentine's. The, the funny thing is that Easter and Christmas are pagan, but they're the same thing as Halloween and Mardi Gras in different cultures. Same exact thing. And Valentine's. I can't begin to tell everything I've studied on this. So much to it. Thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. There's that word diminishing. Gara. You can't take anything away from the word of God. Or add Christmas to it. Or take away his commandments. Say don't keep these customs. You can't do that. John. Go to Proverbs 30. Do I have any time, Mike? 14. Proverbs 30. Maybe I can get through the rest of these. Proverbs, the 30th chapter. Notice he's not telling them in these verses, don't serve their gods. He means that in it. He's saying don't keep their customs. It's the same thing I said earlier in Job 14. Who can bring a clean thing out of unclean? How can you bring... Christmas, how can you believe the bring the birthday of Jesus out of this thing called Christmas when it's paganism? And at the end of the Saturnalia, they hit the 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 they had a a captain of the festival and he had to die at the end of that. And they had all kind of sexual perversions all over the streets and everything else. And Jesus wants his name on that? Come on, John. 
chapter 30, Proverbs. Notice John, this is saying what it's saying. These are verses that it's not saying don't serve their gods. It says don't keep their customs. Verse 5, chapter 30 of Proverbs. Every word of God is pure. It's without any kind of dirt. It's pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words. Yasaf, there's that word again. Yasaf. You can't add or augment the word of God by adding Christmas to it or Easter. You might as well start celebrating Halloween and Mardi Gras. They're the same thing. In fact, they're points on the swastika is what they are. If you're celebrating Christmas, you're celebrating the same thing that Hitler worshipped. It was Tibetan Buddhist worship when he brought the sun worship into Germany. Brought the swastika, the fire wheel, into Germany. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not. Remove far from me vanity and lies. It's a lie to bring Christmas into the church. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, and that's the word of God, lest I be full and deny thee. He says that in Deuteronomy, the 8th eighth, the chapter. When you come into the land, you get full and you turn away from God and deny him and say, Who is the Lord? When you get too much, you say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of the God in vain. Now, look over here in Colossians 2, verse 8. You know, I've wondered for years, how can John MacArthur have 7,000 attendants in his church? There's some things he's not saying. He's not getting tough on the people. If you tell them you must see much tribulation under the kingdom of God, and only a few are going to find this narrow way, and most of you don't know the truth. And I don't like that. Colossians 2, 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you. Spoil is the word sulogogeo. This will spoil you. S-O-L-U-L-O. This is a cry out to John. I hope John will listen to this. Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm not a big name preacher. I know some truth. I'm sure John knows a lot more about church history than I do. And I know he's got a bigger English vocabulary than I do. But he probably doesn't have the Greek vocabulary I have. And he certainly is not applying it even if he knows it. John, I love you if you're a brother, and I believe you are. But you can't keep doing this. Beware lest any man spoil you. Spoil. Sulogogel, S-O-L. S-U-L-O. Sulogogel. It means to lead back 
into captivity. Captivity is darkness. What Christmas will do is put you in a dark area in your life, even as a believer, darkness. John, we're getting close to the end of everything. It's time you told all the truth and practiced it. You know why he doesn't want to do that? Because he's been pastoring that church since he was 29. That's when he went to Grace Community Church. He's told him Christmas is okay for for uh, 50 years. Told him it's okay. It's embarrassing to stand up and tell the people I was wrong. This is what's right. If you want to leave, you'll just leave. He might reduce his congregation to about 150 people from 7,000 to 150 to 200. Most people are not going to stay when you take their Christmas and their Easter. Easter is the resurrection of Tammuz in the ancient world. In mythology, it wasn't true. Easter is the goddess of spring, or Ishtar. Ishtar was an actual name in Israel. And it comes from the word Aster. Ashtaroth, A-S-T-O-R-O-T-H. And that was the tree deities. And they were always represented in the stars. And Ishtar, or Aster, comes from Aster, A-S-T-E-R, which is the word star. Star in the Greek. They were worshipped in the stars. Here in Colossians. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. John mentioned something about philosophy. Philos. Sophos. Sophos is the word wisdom. Philos means an affection for man's wisdom. That's what will lead you away. He's saying, well, I think it's okay if we celebrate the birth of Christ during this pagan pagan festival. No, it's not. And it's philosophy and vain deceit. To philosophy and vain deceit. Vain is the word kenos. Deceit is the word apate. We've talked about that. Apate means to delude. You're deluded if you think Christmas is okay, according to the Word of God. And after the traditions of men, tradition is the word paradosis. Christmas is a tradition that started in paganism. If God does, if God doesn't want us to celebrate, if He wants to celebrate birthdays, why would He say in Ecclesiastes seven and verse one? Why would He say these words? Why would He say a good name is better than precious ointment? 
and the day of death and the day of one's birth. If you celebrate anything, it should be the day that a loved one died that was a believer. That's the only day we should celebrate, that they went to be with the Lord. And vain deceit after the traditions of men. Tradition means something that's been passed down from one generation of the egg to the next that has no foundation in the truth. It's just what some men come up and say. Well, I think Christmas is all right when it's not. I'll go through all of this next week. And after the rudiments of men and not after Christ. Rudiment, stoichion, means an arrangement and they called all the rituals of the temple in Jerusalem that were nailed to the cross with Christ they called that Stoichion I'm about out of time I'm I'm not even going to get back to this I'll have to call this message next week by the same title and call it part two Part 2. Because the Mass, according to the Catholics, is eating human flesh. It's cannibalism. I'm just. I thought I, I never thought I'd say these things to John. I'm saying, brother, I love you. You need to stop this. I know it's impossible after you've done it so long. I don't know what else to say. John, I don't see how you can keep doing this. I'm going to come back to this and go into Easter next week. He knew about Lent. That precedes Easter. It's it's all a big program. It's all about this right here. It's about food. That's what it's about. That's what Christmas and the Big Dipper, and which was called the Wheel of the Year, and that's the swastika. That's it's it's all about this. It's about the Big Dipper and its different phases. They checked the they checked every three months, June third, September third. At midnight, September the 3rd, uh, December 3rd, March the 3rd. It was all about getting through every three months to check the Big Dipper and it formed the swastika. And they had to get through the winter and get back to, this was called Will of the Year, and that's where we get the wreath. was called the Will of the Year. Maybe John just hadn't studied enough. He doesn't know it's... When he says Easter's not in the Bible, yes, it is. It's all over Israel. What they're serving, the grove and the grove and Baal. And and actually, Lent is referred to in that 8th chapter of Ezekiel. When the women were weeping for Tammuz, they wept 40 days for him. And I'll go into that next week and show you that. It takes... I have spent the last 40 years concentrating on this thing called Christmas and Easter. 
I have I discovered Christmas was pagan when I was a little boy at twelve years old. I didn't know it, but I didn't know what it was all about. But I knew that it was Christ's Mass, and I knew that St. Nicholas was a Roman Catholic bishop or priest or something. Am I out of time, Mike? One minute. Huh? Well, I'm going to come back next week and finish up this message because that's what people are saying Christmas is okay. And it was a. They knew it was an orgy, and men died at that at that festival it wasn't an innocent festival it was a sexual promoted appetite on people and that's just not of god well let's go to the lord in prayer father thank you for truth sometimes i just don't know what else to say i keep saying a lot of the same things i've said for years when i see somebody like john i my heart is broken. I hope you'll touch his heart and make him understand what he needs to do. It'll cost him most of his congregation and his book sales. I pray for the church here that people will understand and this will sink into their heart and they'll be committed to you. Lord, we have a lot of battles to fight. You fight them for us. We can't. We'll give you the praise for everything that happens. Lead us to your elect. Forgive us of everything we do wrong. In Christ's name we pray, man. Out of this 7,000, somebody's going to watch. Huh? Out of this 7,000, someone will watch. And they're going to say, there's somebody talking about you. They're going to tell him that. <laughs> I hope they do. They will. I need to add something to the end of this title, Tom. I need to add that this is a rebuke of John MacArthur. It's, well, I don't want to call it a rebuke, but a correction of him. A message to John MacArthur, because it is. It could be a blessing for him. Maybe a lot of pride there. Sure, there's a lot of pride. He's he sounds too smooth. He he appears that he doesn't have any kind of a temper, and he has to have. He hadn't been through enough sin to cause him to want to come out of it. John just doesn't want to lose his church and he doesn't want to lose his book sales I could I could help John understand some things about the Bible if he would listen to me I'm not saying I'm smarter but I have a perception he don't have especially about a lot of things like last Trump, like Millennium. I just can't believe he's saying some of the things he's saying. It's, it's complete compromise. And he promises, he's got online, he's got a question and answer session, 
And some of his people, there's about 75 people out there asking questions. And some of his answers, he's stumbling all over himself. Because he doesn't really know. I'm. He's been one of the great disappointments of my life. 